guys, headbangers and metalheads, this is Doral Passion. You're listening to Iron City Rocks, and I wish you a great time and rock on. Hi, this is Sarah Anthony from The Letter Black, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, it's Mixie from Stitched Up Heart, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hello and welcome to episode 374 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 374, we have two bands coming to you from the city of Los Angeles. Up first, we have Stitched Up Heart. Uh, We have vocalist Mixie joining us. Stitched Up Heart will be in town on uh, May 7th to do a show at uh, Stage AE with Hailstorm in this moment. Uh, going to be a great outdoor show, uh, almost sold out as of the recording of this show. So I imagine if you don't have tickets, you're going to have to look on the secondary market for that. But it should be a great night of uh, some female-fronted bands. And uh, Stitched Apart is, is a really excellent ex- uh, addition to that bill. So I'm going to introduce you to them. Then we're going to turn our attention to a band out of Los Angeles, a band called Salem's Lot. We talked to Monroe Black, who is the lead vocalist and one of the two co-lead guitarists. A uh, really cool band that kind of combines some of the 80s style of uh, hard rock, melodic hard rock, uh, with some really killer uh, shred guitar uh, into, I think, a very cool package. So we're going to check them out in just a little bit. But first, let's turn our attention to uh, Stitched Apart. As I mentioned, they're going to be here um, doing a show on the 7th. So let's play a track from their 2016 album. This song is called Monster. City Rocks. We have from the band Stitched Up Heart, we have vocalist Mixie on the line. How are you doing, Mixie? I'm doing amazing. How are you? I'm doing really, really well. You are on uh, kind of the tour of tours right now with uh, Hailstorm in this moment. Uh, you guys, uh, you're doing a show tonight in Cincinnati, and then you're coming our way to uh, Pittsburgh on Monday night. Um, can you talk a little bit about, you know, obviously you've got Stitched Up Heart, Hailstorm in this moment, New Year's Day, all very powerful, I don't know if it's coincidentally or if it was kind of geared this way, uh, powerful female-fronted bands, um, but what that touring experience has been like thus far? Uh, it's it's 
kind of like I'm living in a little dream. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I keep like waking up having to pinch myself to see if it's really happening, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> um, but it's been incredible. I mean, these are, I've known Ash from New Year's Day for like seven years. So we've, we've go way back. Um, sure. Lizzie, I met a couple years ago on Shiprock. She's super, super chill and humble, always making sure that everybody's happy. Um, Maria, I finally met her for the first time and she spoke to me and I think like I, pretty much blacked out with hearts over her head like yeah. with the cloud and sky opening up above her it was just they're so powerful these women um and of course the guys in the band are all sure. really cool too but yeah it's uh it's incredible yeah i can imagine meeting Mar maria might be the you know the intimidating one you know i think you get a feel a sense for lizzie's personality when she's on stage but maria's is kind of a maybe a, more of a chameleon in some respects, so it would yes. be kind of intimidating. Yeah, she's like a unicorn. <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful. How have you know, you know, you guys are, are doing? Are you the primary supporter? Are you going on first? How do you, do you, do you alternate that? Uh, no, we we uh, start the show off. It usually starts pretty early, so make sure to get there like when mm -hmm. doors start. Um, we go for about thirty minutes, and then New Year's Day goes for about thirty minutes, and I think it's about seventy-five minutes each for in this moment, and then hailstorm. Okay, so that's good. You will you'll be performing before anybody who you know, wants to sneak out to see the Penguin game. At least you won't have people checking the oh, scores gosh, on their phone. Yeah, they're playing on Monday night, but uh, you know, I know. Every time. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> it's it's kind of a, the um, the. The risk you take touring this time of year. The weather's good, which is going to be great. Uh, I think the weather forecast for Monday looks fantastic for an outdoor show. Um, you know, but you, you do run the risk with, you know, with other events, baseball games, things like that. But, uh, you know, I think, the, you know, the good thing is you guys will be going on nice and early, so you won't have people checking their phones while you're playing, which, you know, it's got to be kind of distracting. Right. Um, how is it going? Uh, on? I don't mind. How is it, how is it going on in the daylight though? I mean, is is an artist and you guys all have you know kind of cool visual presence and, and you know from the videos and things like that. But did did you mind playing in the daylight? I love it. I mean, I I prefer. I think the best photography and video footage we get is during the daytime outside. Mm -hmm. um, you know, yesterday or uh, yeah, yesterday in Nashville it was an indoor concert, so it doesn't feel like the daytime sometimes in a big arena like that, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's amazing. I especially love. I don't know if the Pittsburgh show is an outdoor thing. Do you know? I'm checking. I believe it is, but I'll double check on that. I think um, it is. But yeah, I love. I, I love that being able to like see the sky and stuff like that. But I mean, this there's nothing I can say negative about this tour. It's the most amazing tour that I've ever done, and I'm just really, really happy to be a part of it. Yeah, and it is an outdoor. I did confirm that. And you're right. That's interesting. You bring that up because as, as a kind of a hack photographer myself, I know it is so much easier. You know, when the band comes on at 7:30 and there's still some sunlight left, um, to get some of those shots as opposed to worrying about whether the lighting guy is, you know, going to be doing his thing or you're clicking the button and it's got a cool purple light behind you, but then as soon as you click the shutter, it's now red and it screws everything up. So, right there with yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Concert photography is definitely a, an art. Yeah, yeah. I'm not an artist, though. <laughs> Hit the button and hope the camera's smart enough. But, yeah, you're going to be doing that show yeah. outside. And, and it's it's a really spectacular venue you're doing. And you're going to be looking right out at the stage to Heinz Field. You know, the big football stadium in Pittsburgh is right there. Um, and you're kind of sandwiched wow. in between the Major League Baseball field and the NFL stadium. So it's a, a really fantastic venue. And it's going to be packed from... From everything we've seen, I'd seen a message earlier today from the promoter that the show is almost sold out. So you know, it's only 
Friday now, so I'm sure by Monday with a walk up it'll be packed for you guys. And you, you get yeah, that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure today's gonna sell out as well. It's, uh, it's incredible. Yeah, that that is kind of neat. Uh, do you find um, with you know, I, I hate to ask female-fronted band questions, but, you know, because it's probably a bit passe, but um, do you find, you know, going out in front of an audience that is there to see a hailstormer and in this moment who may not be familiar with your band, that it does help in some respects that you're going out into what might be a friendlier audience? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm I'm a big supporter of females in rock music mm-hmm. as well myself, so when I see a girl in a band, I, I get excited. So for me, that's how I feel about it. I assume that there's a lot of people that like that as well. They like sure. female vocals over heavy guitars. So it's uh, it's going to be it is perfect for us to be opening up for this. Yeah, I mean, I, it's interesting you mentioned female vocals, and I think even you know, for a lot of metalheads, for lack of a better term, kind of like that. The Dio, the Halford, the you know, the Bruce Dickinson, those high register vocals that. You know, honestly, you know, a lot of younger bands now, when you see a band with a guy on the mic, you know, you get a lot of guttural stuff. Um, you know, you don't get those soaring vocals much anymore from younger singers. So it's, you know, it's it's kind of neat uh, to see that in a younger band. And you guys bring so much energy to the show. Um, I imagine even in a 30-minute set, you've got to be exhausted coming off stage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Stay hydrated. Uh, we give everything we got. Now, you guys have been, um, it's been about two years since uh, Never Alone came out. Um, do you guys have another a full length or more EPs in, in the works? Or how, how do you approach new material? Obviously, it's, it's critical for a young band to tour. But, you know, okay. at some point you need to go into the studio and make more, more records. Have you guys planned that out yet? Yep. We have been writing. Uh, we are really, really deep into the writing process. We obviously couldn't pass this opportunity up, so sure. we took a little break to, to go on this run, um, and then we're going to get back into the studio as soon as we get back home. So we're pretty far along. Um, we're being very, very particular and um, perfectionist on this record. It's our mm-hmm. sophomore record, so it's very important to us to make sure that it, it does as well as our last one and better. Um, so yeah, it's just a growing experience, and, and we're just trying to make the best record we possibly can. Has the sound of the band in the new material, without you know, kind of spoiling it, have you felt the sounds evolved in a particular direction, or is it still pretty true to what you know the product we know with Never Alone? Um, you know, there's there is a small bit of evolution. Just a we've become uh, better writers, I believe, mm-hmm. sure. um, more organized, <laughs> uh, and there's a little more thought process that goes into it just based off what we've learned um, and you know but we're not going to lose our identity mm-hmm. um, so there, there is going to be a slight difference we don't want to write the same records that we just did otherwise right. you know I mean, that's boring for us we want to try to do something a little bit different but but still keep our identity Sure, yeah, I mean, and you figure, even in the span of what the most, I'm going to guess most of the songs from that album were probably from the 2015 range of when you wrote them, the, you know, to 2018, mm-hmm. obviously people's, you know, styles change and things evolve, and you're three, three plus years more cohesive as a band, I mean, when you look at a lot of your members of your band were, you know, relatively new, you know, when you did the last record, you know, so to speak, so it's great to have that cohesiveness. Um, do you get to try yeah. out any new material when you're on the road or do it in sound checks, you know, to help you guys get, you know, tighter for the studio when it comes time to hit record? 
Um, we have a couple little like headliners on off shows, like mm-hmm. off days, um, that we we are like throwing one new song in there just to see if people like it, and we've sure. got a pretty decent response from it, so it's been pretty cool. But uh, we don't play it for the hailstorm run. We don't get a full sound sound check with this. We get sure. a quick little uh, cross the board check. Yeah. Um, and it's been perfect. Everybody's so professional that we don't even need a full sound check. So it's been really awesome yeah it is amazing how technology has kind of evolved when you when you look at some of these shows and it you know used to think all four bands there's going to be an hour in between each band because people have to stand there and mic check one mic check one and it's really gotten so much better over you know the last 10 years with the technology um you know i just went to see a g3 show and they had no sound check at all it's like whoa you know these are you know really technical guitar wizards and they don't need a sound check that you know this is this is a good thing, I think, for fans. You know, it, it, uh, you just make sure the mic works as you know, signal and go. Uh, that's, that's a wonderful. Yeah. That's a wonderful oh, thing. Yeah. Um, now, just out of curiosity, when you do these shows, do you guys hang around and kind of watch all the other bands, or you do off to the next city? You know, sometimes I know the way these things go. The bands Are have you to. Kidding? You know, I, would, I the, the being able to see these bands perform every night. It's mm-hmm. like amazing it, it blows my mind every night how good they are yeah. so we try to watch as much as we can sometimes we have you know we go run over to the merch table and stuff like that sure. but um but yeah i mean we're pretty much by stage every single night for all the bands you got a notebook taking a little notes do this you know pull this yeah, right? a little move. <laughs> like, in between like lizzie hale <laughs> yeah stage rants by by uh, maria brink yeah that's you know it's it oh is it is a wonderful thing, I think, when you when you see a young band, you know, almost do their homework, um, you know, and, and you'll see that, you know, some bands that just want to get on the bus and get the heck to the next town so they can get a little bit of decent sleep, uh, especially singers, you know, obviously you've got, you, you are your instrument, so it's important to get rest, but sometimes it's, you know, it's it's good to learn not just the, the 90 minutes or whatever someone's on stage, but to watch how they handle themselves off stage, how they deal with, you know, people like us in the press or the photographers or fans after the show. Um, you know, you can learn a lot about how bands became successful um, because it always isn't, you know, the best band on stage isn't always the band that becomes the most successful. Sometimes it's the way they conduct their business the other 23 hours of the day that make a big difference. Um Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we're soaking it up like a sponge. Yeah, that's it's it's like your summer internship. That's a that's a good 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 <laughs> yeah. attitude to have. Well, I want to thank you, Mixie, again. You're going to be coming into what um, if you listening to this and you don't have tickets, you're probably SOL. Um, but you know, you could always try StubHub, etc., to get out there, and hopefully, we'll get you guys back in town to do a, a proper headline club show. Um, you know, before the end of 2018, and we look forward to the new album when you get it done. Yes, thank you. My pleasure, Mixie. All right, a big thank you to Mixie uh, from Stitched Apart for coming on the show. Uh, again, they're going to be here on May 7th. Outdoor show, Rain or Shine. Uh, that's going to be in this moment. Hailstorm, New Year's Day, and Stitched Apart. Uh, this show is almost sold out, so uh, if you're listening to me, you better be clicking on Ticketmaster if you want to go see that show. Uh, we're going to turn our attention now to a band out of Los Angeles, also out of Los Angeles, as was Stitched Apart. This band is called Salem's Lot. Uh, they are a really cool blend of uh, melodic hard rock, uh, killer guitar work, uh, which was kind of what uh, I first jumped off the page at me. We're going to play a song, Royal Desperado, from them, and then we're going to talk to uh, lead vocalist and lead guitarist, Monroe Black, 
about the band and kind of the mission they're on uh, to get the music out. So this is Salem's Lot. Salem's Lot, we have Monroe Black on the line. How you doing today, Monroe? Pretty good, man. How you doing? 
Doing great. Um, you guys have recently released a, a full-length album, Mask of Morality, um, which I had a chance to listen to and uh, really enjoyed kind of a, a new spin on, on a classic sound of you know what we might expect to hear from uh, some of the great bands of the melodic hard rock era. Um, but you guys are obviously relatively pretty young. Um, can you talk about obviously you know how the band came together i mean you were are quite a killer guitarist uh you've got some other uh really great uh, players in the band how did you guys all to get together uh <clears throat> well uh, jet and i have played in uh bands uh prior to sounds lock before and i think everybody's really really was really doing the studio musician thing mm-hmm. um you know coming from band to band playing in other bands and uh all that stuff um I was planning pretty much to go to Juilliard uh, to study classical composition and uh, classical guitar and music, but then I opted out and just decided to focus and start a band, so uh, Jet and I formed the band together. Uh, I knew Tony from a previous band I was in with him, uh, which is a black death metal band Mm -hmm. that we played together, so we recruited him on drums, and uh, Kay came to us from a recommendation from uh, somebody at the Musicians Institute, you know, with Paul Gilbert Wayne and all those guys. Yeah. Uh, so he was studying there, and so we recruited him on bass, and that's pretty much how it all came together. And we all kind of liked the same thing. We all had the same mind frame, mindset. So I was going to ask. That was one of the things. You know, when I listened to the style of music, um, you know, I, I grew up a fan of you know Racer X and some of those great bands. Um, you know, when you listen yeah. to the sound of your band, you know, this isn't necessarily what you know people of your age are hearing on the radio or what you grew up listening to on the radio. Can I ask how the, you know this type of influence? came you know to be in your in your world yeah i mean i tell us a lot i say this a lot but like you got people have to understand like like you said we didn't grow up with this type of music at all um so it's like you kind of have to find it or somehow it finds you for me anyway um kind of hard because i didn't i really in one of my teenage years i really didn't like I didn't like music for that mm. matter because I didn't like what was going on around me. A lot of those emo bands at the time and uh, a lot of, I guess, hip-hop and all that stuff, it just didn't jive with me at all. Right. I didn't understand it. I didn't like it. I especially hated rock music because I thought rock music was those emo bands and all right. that kind of stuff. Right. I thought that that's what represented the genre. So I didn't like it at all. Uh, long story short, I discovered um, bands like ACDC, Zeppelin, and that's how I kind of got, you know, got into it slowly. And I was like, oh, wow, what the hell is this? And then I, f- I remember hearing Thunderstruck. And then I was thinking to myself, whoa, shit, what is this? And then mm. it was completely new to me. Right. I Google them. I get on YouTube. I realize I'm like 20, 30 years late to the party. Sure. Um, and then I was like, and then I kept, you know, from there, I just kept growing. I kept diving deeper and deeper. And then I found bands like uh, Early Crew and then Rat and then... Yeah. Racer X later on as my taste started to grow yeah. and then I got into heavier stuff and so on so. you know I, I listened to it and, and you're, what you're saying kind of reminded me very much of uh, an, an interview I had with uh, Andy Beersack uh, many many years ago when he was still Andy Six you know talking about how he discovered Blackie Lawless you know it was the same kind of thing you know just going backward through something you might hear on the radio and tracing your way back exactly. to that, you know, that that really cool era of shock rock. And I listened to your album, and I think to myself, you know, you dropped that album in 1988. You know, you're on tour with the crew. 
you know, and it's it's just a different world. Yeah. But but the one thing that really kind of stood out to me is you know you guys have really killer chops on guitar. You know, I was watching some of your um your videos on YouTube where you guys are breaking down the solos and things like that. And you know, you you expect you know kind of one guitar wizard in a band, but you know you guys really have two. Um, did did you take up guitar first or, or was singing your first vice? I mean, because you've got Grace at a pipes as well as killer chops. Oh, thanks. Um, the guitar first. I was. It was never my intention to be the singer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason I became the singer is because we just couldn't find somebody that you know right. drafted the sound that we had that I had in mind. I didn't want to, you know, the prototypical. Again, like a lot of people just throw the term throwback on right. us and stuff like that, or uh, mm-hmm. vintage or whatever, all that stuff. Which I don't think. I think it's a load of crap. I think we're just too focused on the image. Obviously, aesthetically, mm-hmm. there's um, things we borrow from that era. Right. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but I think our sound at the same time, as much as we do borrow from that era, is also reinvigorating an old sound for a mm. new era and pushing it forward, in my opinion. So yeah, I did start off as a guitar player, and I, we just couldn't find a vocalist that suited the sound that I had right. in mind, so I just decided to take up vocal duties. Yeah, I like, you know, your voice to me kind of reminds me, like, if, you know, you could go almost into that Norwegian, you know, kind of black metal you know, with with the kind of pitch of your voice, and and I know for anybody who's ever picked up a guitar and tried to sing at the same time, that's not an easy feat. Let alone, you know, you know, a lot of the arpeggios and things you're doing, in, in even in the verses, you know, are not yeah. simple. You know, you're not playing cowboy chords uh, when you're doing yeah. some of that stuff, so it's it's got to be quite a challenge. Now, um, the image of the band itself. I mean, obviously, you guys have a, a visual thing that you just kind of made for YouTube in this generation, but was that something that, that was there from day one? Was that part of, you know, when you guys, you and Jet kind of said, I want to put this band together, this is the look we want to have, or is that something that kind of evolved over time? The thing is, the image, like, I always found, when you're when you're a performer, mm-hmm. you're not just a musician. Mm-hmm. When you get up on stage, you're no longer just a musician. You're a performer, you're an artist, so the image is an extension of the music. Uh, did we think it through beforehand and decide like, oh, this is how we're going to look? Mm. Uh, not really. I think we all kind of like. I remember, remember when um, when we auditioned Kay, we all kind of just fell in line because we were so sick and tired of seeing these like roadie rock bands. You know, guys right. get up on stage with no effort, or they look like crap. Um, they might sound good, but you know, you're on stage, you know, it's not mm-hmm. just about the music anymore. Right. If you want to be about the music, you can just perform behind a curtain. So for us, we just kind of embody, wanted to embody that rock star image. And to us, it's like the long hair, the style. And it's also an extension of the music. Mm-hmm. It's not so much of um, a character based thing like Kiss, but an extension of, I guess, mm-hmm. a lost form of masculinity. A lot of people look at it like, oh, they just look like chicks. No, we right. honestly, you know, if you think we look like chicks, you got to get your head checked. <laughs> yeah. Um, because we're all like six two plus, and like, nah, not gonna happen. But yeah, it's an extension. It's a form of masculinity that we kind of portray on stage, where it's like a decadent form of masculinity. Right. And it's an expression of aggression in, mu- in the in the music. So it just takes it forward with the aggressive look, the big spiky hair, the leather, the chain, you know, all that stuff. And yeah, it's also borrowed from aspects of the past, but we also mm-hmm. repackaged it for, uh, made it our own as well. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, and you bring up a great point. I mean, you know, I think. If you you go around in any town in America and you go to see a band on a Friday night, you can find lots of guys that are, 
you know, the bass player's the kind of the chubby guy with the baseball hat on backward, and the singer's got his, you know, everyday clothes on. You're right, there isn't a lot of visual aspect, you know, and in certain forms of music, especially metal, I mean, you look at, you know, not even, you know, you hate the word hair band, but I mean, you look at some of even the, the bands <clears throat> like Priest, Maiden, bands that, uh, you know, are, are the cornerstone <clears throat> of, of American metal, you know, even though they're British, but still, there was a look there, you know, even ACDC, I mean... They you, had, yeah, you never, all these bands had a sense of style, like, mm-hmm. you don't want to get up on stage looking like a bum, or you're out of shape, or... right. A lot of the bands now, like they think, I I don't know what they're thinking. To be honest, maybe mm-hmm. they're petrified to do something they really want to do, so they just play it safe and just go up as you know the way they look. You know, like they right. finished work and just get up on stage. Uh, however, the industry is. I personally don't really care, but it's like they have this idea where just because they're growing their beards and looking like Vikings or whatever, mm-hmm. they think they look like and they're, they're tough and. They're mad. No, you you ain't tough. You ain't fooling anybody. You know, you're just right. you're hiding behind. It's a false sense of masculinity. It's like more like I attribute it to the fact like there's the king and there's the guy that does you know the Neanderthal that serves the king. Right. There's those two two types of um, forms of masculinity, and I think we embody something else all entirely. It's hard mm. to explain, but I'm not going to get into it too much. <laughs> sure. Um, can I ask you? You know, is a, is a guitarist? Um, you know, you. Mm-hmm obviously have got elements of many different players in your style what um, yeah. specific, but I don't hear you know you mentioned Angus Young I don't hear Angus Young necessarily when I see you play the guitar um, and that's yeah. not necessarily a bad thing but um, what what were some of the people as you were in that formative years you know in your room going through scale after scale and mode after mode who were the guys that inspired you on that I hope I don't forget anybody, but uh, oh, that's okay. It did. <laughs> I know. It's like I'm gonna kick myself afterwards. Uh, I really just I started. I think that got me into the more um, technical playing. Mm-hmm. Of course, was Ingve, mm-hmm. and then from there it was a uh, Racer X. I literally learned to Second Heat and uh, what was the first album called again? I'm forgetting the name. Oh yeah. I learned those two albums back to back. Literally um, everything. Um, Jakey Lee, Vinny Moore, mm-hmm. uh, Sean Lane, Eric Johnson, um, Al Demiola. You know, I just started growing and growing, getting more into it, mm-hmm. discovering new players and implementing, you know, some neoclassical, some fusion, um, heavy metal style, you know, all that kind of stuff into the playing, just trying to find my own voice. Uh, Warren D. Martini is another one. Yeah. All those guys. Now, um, when you, could you kind of compare Contrast your style between Jets. I mean, where you know, do there's certain things you do maybe differently. You know, one's maybe a more soulful player, one's more speed. What is there anything in particular that you know to the listener that we might say, okay, this is his solo versus his solo? Yeah. Well, the first hint is like if you bought the CD, you can open it up, and in the lyrics, you can see who plays what solo. We sure. it. <laughs> yeah. So that helps. But in terms of style, um. <clears throat> It's hard to say. I think Jet has a more um, soulful, rhythmic style of playing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's real. We're we're both very similar. Maybe I'd take more of the technical side of things. Mm-hmm. But it's hard. It's really hard to say because like we both exchange, and sometimes like he does something like he, I can't do, and he, I do something he can't do, and vice versa. Always combine it both because it's like I think once you reach a certain point on any instrument, 
we've been playing uh, both of us for over a decade now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you kind of, in a sense, master the instrument. It's just about practicing certain licks to, you know, push yourself. Right. To keep challenging yourself to keep it interesting. So, the uh, one thing it's it's hard to say. In, in any band, you know, I think any guitarist, I should say, I don't even want to say in any band, but I think anytime you get two guitarists in a room, everybody tries to one up each other. Is there a a trick to you guys being you, you mentioned you're playing for like 10 years together is there a trick to, uh, to keeping the egos in check and you know working in harmony as opposed to just trying to out noodle each other you know I think for those who maybe watch the the G3 with Ingbe with Malmsteen might be one of the I think the greatest examples where Ingbe just doesn't play well with others he plays fantastic but he doesn't necessarily yeah. play well with others um, is there a, a, you know a trick to achieving that balance that you know you're not walking out of rehearsal just pissed because he you know he was playing too loud or you were trying to show him up or how do you achieve that balance? I think we're just extremely straightforward. We just mm. cut the bullshit out and we mm. just pretty much say like uh, we both have I'm not gonna say we both have like pretty big egos. Sure. I think that comes with the territory. I think it's pretty normal. Uh, right. Any musician who tells you otherwise, especially guitarists or singers, you know. Right. Yeah, they have you know they have that ego, but I think we're just very honest with one another. Like we say, like I remember you know coming up with some parts and like it was just crazy technical, and he'd be like, "Yo, look, you got to calm you know calm the fuck down. This doesn't suit this you know song. You know it's like right. it's a little too much." People are like, "Whoa, shit!" And then other times I like try to push him more, and you know vice versa. We're just always on each other's ass, and we're all, it just I don't know. It's hard to describe. We have that where we don't get you know I guess for lack of a better term, butt hurt. Mm-hmm. We're just extremely honest, and we kind of we do argue and you know say some like nasty things, but then it's just I think that's healthy. I yeah. think it just gets it out there in the open, and then we just get past it because we there's bigger fish to fry. Yeah, I mean, and that's good. You've got to have somebody, you know, somebody to say, okay, for the better of the song, you know, this is where it goes. Because sometimes it's hard to, to to take a step back and listen to what you're playing. You know, you're emotionally invested in exactly you know what you're doing. Exactly. But sometimes you need a producer or. A, you know, a referee almost, you know, to keep uh, for the better of the song, you know, and there's, I think we've all probably heard songs where there's a guy who, you know, in not just Ingbe, but guys who can play so well that sometimes they seem to forget the context of the song and just turn it into a three and a half minute solo. So, you know, it's. Yeah, it's, I mean, if you notice a lot of those guys like who came off, I guess, the Shrapnel Records and all mm-hmm, that stuff. Yeah. Uh, no disrespect to them whatsoever, but they're like, they're amazing players. But if you've noticed, like, they weren't really, they didn't do that well in big bands. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't, I think once you become a musician's musician, like, a real, how can I say this, for lack of a better term, nerd on your instrument, you kind of, you get so deep into it that you think something, something you're playing is so simple, but at the same time, an average listener who did We'll just view it as like, whoa, what the hell is that? It's fucking crazy. It's too much. Or that's right. What is he playing? And it's insane. But to you, it's like, oh no, but I'm using this, you know, this chord with that scale, and it's so cool and wacky and different yeah. and off tempo rhythm. And people don't care about that stuff. They just want to hear a good rock and rock and song. That's it. Yeah, I, I remember being at a, a, of all things, a Van Halen show, and uh, Eddie sat down and did his solo, and uh, my guest for the evening. Uh, said, I hope they wrap this up soon when he was doing the solo. And, you know, as a guitarist, you're there and you're just like, oh, yeah, do it, whatever you're yeah, doing, well, Eddie. Cool. Yeah, But a person who sure. doesn't play the instrument, after a while, it's kind of like, you know, I'm sure a lot of guitarists feel this way during a drum solo. It's cool, he's playing fast, but let's wrap this up and get to the next song. 
because yeah. the bulk of your audience is there to hear the song. You know, if you're playing it, uh, exactly. You know, a GIT um, symposium in the '80s, everybody wants to hear the solos. But you know, in the context, you know, and Angus is a great example of that. You know, the songs can be so simple, mm-hmm. um, but it's so damn cool. You know. Yeah, it works. It just jives. Exactly. You know, and sometimes there's such beauty even in the notes you don't play. You know, you listen to, you know, some of the great Led Zeppelin stuff, and there's space in it, and you know, that's important um, in the context of a song. So it's it's good. You know, you guys have that mindset that you don't just, you know, it's not a a 65 minute Mike Varney album that you try to sing over. You know, and I think it's yeah, that's the thing. I think every solo we approach is always has also a melodic sense. It's just not it's not very I don't know if when you listen to the whole album and every guitar solo it's very mm-hmm. you can tell it's thought out because yeah. we do think them through. It's not so much some parts may be improvised but they're also thought out because it's kind of like telling a story. You know, right. it's aimlessly, you know, shredding away and like, oh, I'm going to try this scale with this lick and it's not not lick based but it's more melodic based. Yeah, yeah, you can tell, you know, when, when you listen to the, you know, the way you're doing the, the the notes over top of the chord that there's there's a nice harmony there that that you yeah. know, you follow the chord progressions and it, it's pleasing to the ear as opposed to, you know, there's just some solos out there that are, you know, they're impressive again to a guitarist, but you know, I think it's of, just you know, like whatever, yeah. Yeah. I, so fantastic. No, um you guys are based out of where's the band based out of I should ask that question and do you plan on doing any kind of touring throughout the states or is that you know just kind of based on how well the record does and the finances of it Uh, well we're based out of Los Angeles and we're going to have some shows locally first uh, to Mm -hmm. test the water see how everything's gone uh, in Mm -hmm. LA and maybe even a west coast a mini west coast tour that's what we're trying to put together Um, we'd love to tour absolutely but it's like again we're we're completely on our own, so we don't have any like labels, managers, or booking agents, or all that right. stuff. So everything you see is done by you know, by the band. Sure. How do audiences? I mean, you know, when I, I look at this band, and it, you know, it, it uh, you know, as a guitarist and a fan of you know the melodic stuff, it you know, instantly kind of drawn mm-hmm. into it. But you know, how how did the you know because I mentioned you know you guys didn't grow up with this kind of stuff on the radio. How are your fans? I mean, as far as accepting the music when you get when you step out on stage in a club or something i mean what is the reaction you're getting from people it's either like you know so far i'll tell you this much we haven't been booed off anything which is surprising because right. we've opened for some like thrash band some death mm-hmm. metal band all that stuff and i look forward to that kind of hostility because at least it's natural you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah i kind of enjoy i i know i get off on that when somebody just wants to like flip you off on stage and stuff like that's cool you're getting you're getting a reaction out of somebody right. instead of complete and utter indifference yeah um but yeah i mean it's either like people are just don't know what to expect or they think they're expecting something like i don't know poison or something right and then we just come out with a song like ss or whatever and then they're just like wait what the fuck <laughs> yeah you know so I have it's, to... so it's really just a curveball really yeah, I look at the, you know, I, I know part. when I saw the picture, it, the first time I saw the picture of the band, I was like, I wonder if these guys are like a Japanese band, because you'll still see some bands from Japan, you know, with the giant hair, you know, I was like, I wonder if that's yeah. what this is, and then I listen, I'm like, no, this guy's not, uh, this isn't a Japanese band, but I, I imagine it would be huge in Japan, you know, because I know they still have a real <laughs> thirst for the metal, uh, but it's it's fantastic stuff. Well, hopefully, uh, Monroe, the, you know, things go well and, and we'll we'll get to see you guys out on the road or, um you know out this way on this half Absolutely. of the United States at some point it's a fantastic record 
the website okay. salemslot.com, and that's with two T's, and uh, you can order the the CD. You guys got some T-shirts, and I wish you guys all the best, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. All right, that about wraps up this edition of Iron City Rocks. I want you to visit our website at ironcityrocks.com. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, uh believe that's it are uh, all forward slash iron city rocks you can email us at ironcityrocks at gmail.com again want you to invite you to come out to the in this moment hailstorm show uh, that's going to feature new year's day and then our guest mixie from stitched up heart is going to be opening that show it's going to be a fantastic one out of stage ae and also visit salem's lots website uh, you can get more information about that band it's s-a-l-e-m-s-l-o-t-t Dot com. Uh, if you enjoyed that music, you can check out their album, uh, order the album, order t-shirts, whatever you want. So until next time, we want to thank you so much for listening. <laughs>